It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to help you get free from work as soon as possible. My name's Taylor, and with me I have... Dun, dun, da, da, Brad Fike. Wow. His intros just get more and more dramatic every time we film an episode, I feel like. I held the note for an extra second or two right there. You know, I just, <laughs> I'm trying to get some, uh, maybe get on the voice eventually. The voice. You know? Yeah. Wow. I think if I could get somebody to turn a chair, that's going to be my real issue, though. I, I can see you on the voice. I remember growing up in the house, you used to have a real good uh, Star Spangled Banner, I think, is what we used to I say. I can opera eyes. Opera eyes. I don't even think that's a real word. I just made it up. <laughs> Making up words with Brad Fike today. And it's the opera. Oh, boy. All right. Well, before we start making anybody's ears bleed, and they may be listening with headphones here, we don't want to <laughs> screech in their ears. Welcome to our show where we talk all kinds of uh, retirement talk here. And so we've been going through a series as of late all about tax planning. So this is part two of our tax planning series, and we'll have one more episode after this talking about taxes. But today we wanted to cover a special topic. We're going to talk about taxes to beneficiaries. But before we get into our topic, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about a hot topic because the date today is March 3rd. So we're here at the beginning of March and the hot topic in the news right now is the stock market because things have been a little volatile lately. What do you think, Brad? It is a heavy-duty market roller coaster right now, and I, I have a feeling it may continue for a little while. A little bit of up, a little bit of down. I think uh, last week, and I'm just kind of picking statistics out of the air. These aren't you know fact-check statistics, but I think last week I had heard one of the news stations say that it was the fastest 10% drop in history, or at least the fastest 10% drop since 2008. So the markets crashed really quick over a week period of time, and then Yesterday would have been uh, March 2nd, so it would have been that Monday. The markets made this massive recovery, and then I look again today, and they're kind of down a little bit. So it's 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 really is just this roller coaster ride, this up and this down, this up and this down. And I think it's uh, worth talking about, because I know we've talked with our clients a few times via email, but it's worth talking about on here. What would you tell an investor if you had an investor in the room today and they had questions about coronavirus and the markets and how this is going to affect their retirement? I mean, what would you be telling someone today? Well, I think I'd be timing the market as best I could, you know. (laughs) Wrong answer. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's very hard to time in these uh, volatile days, one up, one down. But like I uh, have mentioned in meetings that I've had in the last week or so is that we're in it for the long haul. We're not in it for uh, the next 24 hours. We're not in it for the next uh, six weeks. We're not in it for the next six months. We're not in it for the next 12 months. We're in it for the long haul. That could be five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. That's where we're at. And these are going to be blips on a radar screen when it's all said and done. A year from now, we're going to look back and go, okay, that was just another blip. And I try to remind him to go back to the last quarter of 2018. Hmm. The markets overall dropped about 15% in three months at the end of 2018. Now, that's what, uh, 14, 15 months ago? Yeah, not too long ago. So we forgot about that already. I can almost guarantee most people have forgotten about that because I have to bring it up because we had a great stellar return in 2019. And uh, it looks really good in 19. But the big thing is that we were just recuperating what we lost in the last three months of 18. Right. So 
that's how easy we can forget about these kinds of things. So let's forget it. Turn the TV off. Go on with your life and uh, keep packing money away. Keep your planning. Stay the course. And I think you'll come out just fine in this thing. That's our favorite phrase is uh, stay the course because I think it's like the perfect picture of long-term investing. And so hopefully now we're uh, on this podcast, just helpful hints and education. We we aren't giving you specific advice because we don't know you personally. But when we look at this kind of stuff, we, we are financial advisors. We kind of get some of these general ideas and the idea of where we're going with some of these things. And the reality is on this side of the world, you got to be thinking long-term investments is the only way to go. We're starting to put our hope, and if we do put our hope in the markets and today and the next day and the next couple weeks, it's going to be an anxiety-ridden roller coaster because just there's so much that happens in, in a day in the markets and everything's so technologically advanced that it happens faster than you can blink an eye sometimes, these changes and effects. And we just have to think long-term. And so hopefully you're working with an advisor. If you're not working with an advisor, you've done the research and you know that when you're building a portfolio, you have to be thinking about all these ups and downs and roller coaster rides and the effects of whatever your investments are in. So just know that um, if you are looking for an advisor, we design our portfolios for our clients. Just to, we we engineer them with this in mind, knowing that hey, there could be some random event like a worldwide virus that seems to be taking over a lot of the news cycle. There can be a random event like this that we never saw coming, but we have a portfolio that's designed to know that if markets do react to something like that in the short term, we know that you're not taking more risks than you would expect. Things of that nature. You need to do the research on the side of your investments to know that stuff. And in all reality, we've done the research here. We've done, uh, we've read a few articles. I've listened to a few podcasts about some of this stuff. This isn't something that looks like it's going to be a major, major long-term market situation. It looks like this is something that's going to probably play out over the next few months, maybe the rest of the year, who knows. But the facts behind it is, is that this doesn't look like it's a major financial crisis like a 2008 situation. So people really don't seem to have that big of an issue or shouldn't have that big of an issue, something to panic about. I mean, what do you think, Brad? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a long-term uh, pandemic, but just to go back to your portfolio thing here for a second is that this is the worst time to readjust your risk in your portfolio when it's volatile like this. If we've done our job or if your financial advisor has done his job, then you should be in a portfolio that you can withstand through volatility like this. Right. And once it settles out, once it gets back to normalcy, if that ever really does exist, then you sit down with your advisor and you say, look, that was a little rough on my emotions. I felt uneasy. And if that's the case, then we need to readjust the portfolio. But we don't want to do it in this hot state moment that we're in when the markets are going crazy. That's a hot state moment. You're in that immediate emotional point of where you're just like, I got to get out or I got to get in or I got to make a change. And this is not the time to do it. You want to ride through it. We'll do it afterwards. And that being said, if we put you in a portfolio, we're putting it in based on some kind of time frame that we have discussed. Any good advisor would have said, okay, how long till you're going to use this money? And once you start using this money, how long do you need to have this money last? And so I get people all the time, 65, 70 years old, 75, that'll go, well, I'm not in it for the long term because I only have 10 years or 15 years. I can't wait that long. Yes, you can. You're 65 years old. You got a really good chance of living the 90. 
Now, last I knew, that's 25 years. Your money still needs to work for you for 25 more years for you to continue to get a monthly income. So there is a long time frame, no matter how old you are. And uh, so those are just a couple things that I like to go back over and remind people. But now getting back to your, sorry, I digressed a little bit on that little lecture there. That's natural for our podcast. I feel like this, we could change the title of our podcast to the, the Fikes digress into a different topic. ASAP digressing. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, I think the, you know, you look back to the coronavirus, this stuff that's going on is, it is definitely affected by what people, how many cases that people are dying and things that, and it's very sad. But the real uh, thing behind the market is the shutdown of China, who's one of the major forces. Absolutely major. They're huge. They have so many quarantines going on over there right now that people just can't leave their house to go to work. And so the the kind of the, the way to look at it is you think, okay, if you're a U.S. manufacturer and you make a product and you need 30 items to make your product, you need all these different you know ingredients to put together for whatever you need. The problem is, is that if you get one or two of those items from China, you don't know if that one factory is even open because their city may be quarantined and people aren't allowed to leave their house. And if that factory is open, you don't know if that factory can even ship their product to the ports in in China because they don't know if they have the truck drivers available because they may be quarantined. And then if it does get to the ports, we don't even know if they have workers on the docks to load things up. And we don't know if the ships are going to be able to be accepted in the U.S. There's just so many factors in the supply chain of manufacturing that that's really caused most of the panic. When we look at that kind of panic, you can kind of see, okay, well, no wonder there's negative reactions to the markets. Apple has already come out and said, they say, look, we can't get the things that we need technology-wise. Our revenues for this quarter are not going to be what we projected them to be, and so be prepared. When news like that comes out from a place like Apple, that gets people shaking in the markets where they're going, oh gosh, well, maybe, you know, how many other companies are not going to be able to do this? And, you know, really a lot of the market fluctuation is all going to depend on when does China go back to work. And that also depends on when is China going to be able, and there's already been some news reports, when are they going to be able to start getting this virus under control? There have been news releases saying there's fewer and fewer cases in China over the last couple of weeks, but that's a lag, right? So even if they do go back to work over the next month, they're still going to have a lot of catch-up to have. There's going to be lots of manufacturers in the, in the U.S. and Europe, all over the world, looking to catch up on all the things they're missing out on. That's the real issue here when it comes economically. Now, yeah, like you do say, no one likes the idea of coronavirus and no one likes the idea of a potential epidemic going across the the world, uh, you know, crossing borders and things like that. But really the fear of the virus isn't what's driving the markets. What's driving the markets is the actual data coming out of the companies that you're buying and selling in the stock market. So the thing is, like we've always said, stay the course, stay on top of those things. You made a plan, whether it was a year ago, whether it was five years ago, whether it was 20 years ago. If you sat down with your advisor and you made a plan, it was designed to see something like this. If you've worked with us before, we know that the markets are going to fluctuate and go up and down. You need to stay the course and you need to trust the plan. You can't get emotional, can't make emotional decisions when it comes to investing. That's how people lose a lot of money in the stock market. So be patient. I really do think there's better days to come down the road. I don't know if they're coming next week. I don't know if they're coming next month. They may take the rest of the year to come, but I promise that over history, there has been plenty of data to show that there's always brighter days in the future. 
I'd be careful on promises. True. Past performance does not guarantee future results. There I am go. confident in these types of things, but I can't make any promises <laughs> there you go. on this podcast. Hey, the other thing, uh, when you look at a portfolio, especially the way ours are designed, I, you, you compare them to a skyscraper. You go up to a 20 or 30 floor skyscraper, do you think that skyscraper's moving at the top? When it's a windy day, you don't realize it, but it definitely You're is darn moving. darn right it is. And if it wasn't designed to give and take... It would snap right off. Well, portfolios are designed with knowledge that markets are going to go up and down, just like a skyscraper swings back and forth. So a well-designed portfolio will withstand this. It's never going to be perfect. You're going to see down days. There's no way around it. And if you didn't ever see a down day, then you're probably in some kind of savings account or a CD or something that's not going to pay you much, but it doesn't have any risk on the downside other than maybe a bank going out of business or something. But we won't go to that level. But right. anyhow, a good portfolio where you want to get some decent returns, you're going to have to take a little risk, but make sure it's designed properly with diversification. Yeah. And so this is all just one giant digression off of our tax topic. But I think it was important for us taxes. just to kind of... Who pays taxes? <laughs> I just got done paying them this week. It was quite the painful experience. I'm going for the zero tax bracket. The zero tax bracket. I think you have to earn zero to pay zero. I think that's how that works. Well, they said on TV that Amazon pays zero taxes. I want to be them. That is actually really smart. I don't know what they're doing, but I need to get into that. Oh, I don't know if it's true. It could be fake. I can't imagine there's anything fake news out there. I've no. read stuff on the internet before, and it's always true. Yeah, especially about taxes. Oh, yeah, definitely about about taxes, about politics. What else is always true on there's the internet? There's never a lie. I read yeah. that once on the internet. Never there's really. no lies on the internet. So anyway, tax okay, plans. Digress again. Yeah, here we go. We talk a lot about anxiety around retirement on this podcast. A ton about it. There's so much anxiety out there. Over half of Americans wonder if they're ever going to be able to retire. I'm going to ask you three questions, and you don't have to answer them to me out loud because you're listening to a recording, but I'm going to ask you three questions. Do you have enough to retire? When is it that you're going to retire? And how exactly are you going to go about doing it? If you don't have an answer to all three of those questions, you probably have some sort of anxiety or you've just given up hope completely on any sort of retirement. Here's what I want to do. I want to offer you an opportunity to get away from all that, to get those questions answered. And that is our free Retire ASAP Toolkit. Sorry, I said free. We even mail it to you. We ship it to you for free. You don't pay a dollar. It gets to your house. This kit has all kinds of stuff in it. It has a book. talks about how to overcome hurdles on your way to retirement. We have a checklist, the things that you may need to check the box on to make sure that you have everything organized for your retirement. We also have an audio CD in there that gives you some interesting strategies and ways to look at retirement for you. If you're interested in this Retire ASAP Toolkit, all you got to do is click below. There's going to be a link if you're on desktop listening to this. If you're not on your desktop listening to this, you can go to fikeadvisors.com and there will be a link on our website for you to sign up for your free toolkit. All you have to do is put in your name, your email address, and your actual address so we can mail this thing to you completely free of charge. That is our Retire ASAP Toolkit. You can get it at bikeadvisors.com or if you're on desktop, you can click the link below.
here's what I want to talk about today. And so if you do have questions about market timing or about investments and things of that nature, we'd be happy to answer them. You can always send an email to Brad or I. My email address is taylor at fikeadvisors.com. Brad's is brad at fikeadvisors.com. If you have questions on this portfolio stuff, we'd be happy to answer some of those questions. Now, we may not get into a whole lot of detail unless you're a client of ours, but we're taking on new clients. So we'd be happy to you know try to figure something out to help you along the way. But as we go into this actual topic, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about tax. And so when we think about tax planning, we talked a little bit in our last episode about the different types of investments that you can get into, whether it's a traditional IRA or traditional 401k, whether it's a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, or whether it's just some sort of non-qualified investment that's just a regular taxable investment. There's lots of different ways that you can invest, and there's a lot of different reasons. And if you want to go back to that episode to hear a little bit more about those different investments, I would really encourage you to do that because there's a lot of good information there. But today we want to talk about something specific, and this is something that affects a lot of our clients uh, that we work with that, that are in retirement now, and that's planning for taxes for your beneficiaries. Because I think it's a, a kind of a forgotten thing that when you pass away, there is tax dollars owed on some of your investments if you've had all your money in your 401k for your entire life, or if there's uh, some sort of investment that's accrued capital gains. You need to know how those taxes work for your beneficiaries because maybe there's some planning you can do today that can help your kids or your grandkids who or maybe your friends, whoever it is that's inheriting your money, there's might be things that you can do today that can lower their tax burden and make the most out of the money that you're going to be giving them. Yeah, I think uh, that's spot on there. So, you know, you got pre-death planning and uh, speaking from the grave planning. That's planning now while you're alive so that you speak loudly while you're gone. Absolutely. I think... And we see this far too often, unfortunately, is that many times if you're not very clear how you want things handled after you're gone, when it comes to money, when it comes to land, when it comes to you know sharing your legacy with your family, if you're not clear on it, it usually leaves some uh, sore spots or some open wounds for the rest of the family as they're trying to figure out what's fair, what would you have wanted, what are these things? I mean... You could probably talk about multiple stories, Brad, of families that you've seen in here with lots of tension, not because their parents were bad parents or because their kids are bad kids, but because there's just this lack of clarity as mom passes away and she leaves certain things to certain kids and she leaves other things to other kids or, you know, uh, someone passes away and leaves part of a farm to one you know child and doesn't leave the part of the farm to the other one. The other one feels like that's an unfair thing. We just went to a Farm Bureau conversation not too long ago and had a whole conversation about all this stuff. And so there's just so many things that come to the beneficiary side. I guess, what is like the one thing, if you could sit down with a, with a couple or with an individual who is trying to plan their uh, legacy to their beneficiaries, what's that one thing or maybe one of the top things that you like to talk about just to begin that conversation with them? I think it's a short phrase called the tax man cometh. So no matter what, the tax man is awaiting outside the door. So even if you've had this grandosa life of being able to pack a lot of money away and not pay taxes on it, hence 401ks, IRAs, 403bs, things of that sort, it's a great planning tool. I'm not knocking them. It's a great planning tool, Mm -hmm. but they do become a tax time bomb. And if you don't spend it in your lifetime, you're going to pass it on to your heirs, whoever that might be, and they're going to pay the tax on it. So I think the the biggest point right up front is we have to have there will be taxes to somebody. Is it going to be you or is it going to be your heirs? 
Right. And I think when we're considering those types of things, I just had this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago and they were looking at their stuff and they said, okay, you know, I have this pretty large IRA. I've packed most of my retirement savings into this individual retirement account. It's all tax deferred. So when I withdraw it, I pay taxes on what I withdraw. And when we were calculating out some of these numbers and looking at these things, we realized we're going, look, there's going to be way more money in here than what you're going to need for your retirement. They're pretty well set up and that's exciting for them. But I said, now the question is going to be, what do you want to do for your kids? Because they list on their beneficiaries that it's going to go to their kids. And you go, okay, what do you want to do for your kids? Because I know your son is you know, studying to be a doctor and your daughter probably has a pretty good job of some sort. Your kids have these really good paying jobs. Do you want them to inherit this money and have to pay taxes at their tax rate? Or do you want to start doing some things in your retirement now that is going to allow you to pay taxes at your tax rate? Because when we compare the two, the difference is pretty substantial. Their kids may be paying in a high 20% tax rate for them, and the retired parents, even though they have a lot of money now, they only need enough that's going to put them in a lower teens tax bracket. And so when we look at those two numbers, you go, do you want your kids to pay an extra 10% in taxes just to inherit the money? Or do you want to prepay the taxes now by doing some things there to help them save money tax-wise? That's a question that most people aren't really thinking of. So talk a little bit about that, Brad. Do you ever encourage clients to do, or maybe not clients, but would you ever encourage anyone to do Roth conversions in their retirement, even if they aren't planning on using that Roth money for their retirement income? Absolutely. That's a big conversation we have now in the last probably five to 10 years, because Roths are fairly new in the world, probably back to the what late 90s, possibly mid 90s. And uh, so now people have accumulated a fair amount in their Roths. So it is a discussion or they have accumulated a lot in the IRA and we want to get them over to the Roths. But uh, on this note, I just want to let you know that um, I plan on paying as little amount of taxes while I'm alive. And then you kids will end up paying the bulk share of it. Uh, Here's what I already know is my mom's favorite phrase is if I die with a penny in my pocket, I mismanage my money. So I expect no inheritance. uh, And I'm okay with that. I hope you guys enjoy the money you've earned. But I don't plan on paying. Yeah, I don't have any taxes to pay. I don't plan on paying taxes because I don't plan on getting anything out of you guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So uh, back to the Roth conversion thing. Yeah, we uh, we entertain that. Uh, you're going to have some people who I've had two sides of that conversation. Of course, everything in between. But I've had people say that, well, you know what? My kids are going to inherit all this money. And you know what? They can pay the tax on it because when they're done, they're still going to have a nice chunk of change. And then I have the other side of that fence that'll go, well, I want to get as much as I can to them. And if I can eliminate some of those taxes, show me some ways. And if it works for me while I'm alive, then that's what we need to do. And Roth conversions are a critical component to that. And also just regular withdrawals, you know, trying to get money out of those tax deferred accounts. That is a 403B, a 401K, an IRA multiple other ones, set plans. There's all kinds of uh, tax deferred products. So those are where you start with. How can we eliminate or spend those down? Maybe that's where we draw our income. Maybe that's where we convert from to get it over to Roths. So it is a very lengthy conversation. Uh, We're not tax people. So a lot of times we'll refer to your tax person if it's a CPA or an attorney that does taxes, or sometimes we'll get the attorneys involved. It just depends on what we need to get to. We have 
a little uh, group of people that we work regularly with and refer clients to. So that's, I mean, it is, a, it's a, it's a puzzle. It really, yeah. And I think that's the best way to think about it. It really is a puzzle. I kind of like to think of it too as an art because I think there's lots of creative ways that are fully, you know, within the law. They are legal ways, but sometimes they take a little bit of creative thinking to say, okay, if we move this piece over here and do these things over here, is that going to give us better benefit? Well, no, not really. It, it'll help, but it may be more beneficial to do this way or that way. And there's different ways to look at all this stuff. I think as you were talking about that, when you're talking about where do I draw my income from for these types of things in some cases, I know that some of our clients and some people out there, they have individual stock investments or they have investments in non-qualified types of accounts. And those accounts, when you withdraw from them, if they have a gain in them, a long-term capital gain, you have to pay a long-term capital gain tax on that. And some of the things that I've talked about with people is I say, look, maybe you do take from your tax-deferred stuff now. You pay the taxes on your income now because when your beneficiaries, if it's the next generation, inherit your stocks or your brokerage account or your home or your land or whatever it is, there's what's called a step-up in basis. And so there's a lot of legal things that go along with that. You should definitely talk to a tax advisor or an attorney about these before you make any decisions. But that's a situation where you go, maybe I don't don't want to touch this part of my money because there's tax owed on it now, but my beneficiaries will get it tax free. So maybe I leave that alone for myself now and I pay taxes on the things that my beneficiaries will have to pay taxes on regardless. So you're right. Income planning is a very big piece of this and saying, where do I take my income from and when, and how do I convert things over at the right time? And when is that right time? And who is this going to benefit the most? And are the numbers all right? There's so many pieces to the puzzle that it does take some complicated planning that usually we like to involve everybody in on that stuff. Yeah. And I don't think we can solve it in this conversation other than we can throw ideas. And I think, uh, a big component for us is that we look at using those tax deferred accounts up front. And especially if you're in a lower tax bracket than your heirs are. And we look at Roth conversions and also any of these non-tax deferred accounts, which would be a personal account with, you know, a joint account investment side. Mm-hmm. They get that step-up basis. Uh, remember, though, annuities do not get a step-up basis. So there's a lot of people that uh, have bought into annuities over the years. When you pass that on to your kids, that's a taxable event. You'll have a cost basis in that annuity. Example, you put 50000 in and it grows to 60000 over 20 years. Oh, I'm, did I just make a little joke? Oh, there? yeah, that's about right with Anyhow, annuities. Anyhow, <laughs> so there's 10000 of interest that's been tax-deferred because an annuity is a tax-deferred product. So the kids will, or the heirs, will pay tax on that 10000 So keep that in mind when you're looking at annuities versus uh, securities, which would be mutual funds or stocks, bonds, things of that sort. But um, those are all discussed in the planning side. Right. And I think just as kind of my last piece of this puzzle that I really want to wrap up, I think there is a place in some cases for life insurance to help with some of these taxable burdens. Absolutely. Not that most people need extra life insurance or anything along those lines, but sometimes when you figure out that, hey, my beneficiary is going to have a tax burden of hundreds of thousands of dollars, life insurance proceeds are tax-free to the beneficiary. Sometimes the best way to pass money on to the next generation is to say, hey, look, I'm going to buy a life policy um, that's going to cover whatever that tax burden will likely be for my kids or grandkids or whatever it is and say, look, I may need a 
$200,000, life policy to cover all these taxes because I have all these assets. But sometimes that's the cheapest and most efficient way to say, you know what, you guys get all of your chunks of whatever it is uh, as your uh, beneficiaries are going to get. But at the same time, you're also going to get this tax-free amount of money that can pay the taxes on the things that you're going to need to owe taxes on. Yeah, and keep in mind that life insurance is uh, most generally tax-free. There is certain circumstances sure. where the death benefit is taxable. And to go back to the puzzle and the art part, I was just thinking here uh, that maybe we could take a picture of me and put it, you can buy puzzles with your picture and then you could make a puzzle out of that and give it to your son. So my grandson would have a puzzle of Grampy Pants. Of Grampy Pants. It is. What do you think? So in case you... <laughs> In case you aren't friends on Facebook with uh, with me or Brad or any of our family, my 18-month-old, uh, year-and-a-half-old son loves Grandpa, but he has a special nickname. He is Grampy Pants. Now, that has a whole another story in and of itself, but... Wasn't my idea. Grampy Pants is one of Ollie's favorite people because he's got goofy faces, and I'm thinking a goofy face Grampy Pants puzzle, that might bode, yeah. that might bode well with Ollie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, I like this. That's definitely has nothing to do with financial puzzles or taxes or anything. Well, but you yeah, could get financial know. reward for that. Oh, now you're talking. As long as Grampy Pants is providing the financial reward and not and not Dad, I'm okay with that. Oh boy! All right. Well, <laughs> so, where are we at here? Let's well, wrap things up. Yeah, let's just wrap it up. I think there's a few things that you need to think about. And if you haven't talked to your advisor recently, or it's been a little while since you reviewed your own financial plan, maybe something to talk to them about. Is say, hey, look, what do you think I should be doing to lower the tax burdens to my beneficiaries? If that's something you're thinking about, maybe ask about a Roth conversion, or ask about, am I drawing my income from the right type of account. If you're working with us, uh, we're always checking these things. We try to do annual reviews with all of our clients just so that we're up to date on certain numbers and things and having these conversations on a regular basis. If you're not having regular conversations with your advisors, at least on a on a yearly basis, maybe you need to look at and consider changing advisors to someone who is going to be able to stay active and proactive with you. So we, again, I said this at the beginning of the podcast, I'll say it again. We are taking on new clients at Fike Advisors. If you're listening to this podcast on our website, in the top right corner, there's a schedule now button. You can click that. It goes directly to Brad and I's calendar. Schedule a 20-minute phone call. It's free to talk to us. And it may be free to talk to us, but I want to tell you, it may cost you more not talking to an advisor. So don't worry about the cost of the time of the 20 minutes of the free conversation. Maybe think about what could we be possibly losing by not having a conversation with an advisor. So schedule something on our website. That's totally available to you. Or you can email us. I'm, my email is taylor at fikeadvisors.com. So I'm throwing that out there. Now, I know that Brad is always going to want to wrap up our episode with a few yoga stretches in the back corner over here. I'll tell you what, it's it's rougher today than it's been. You know, I haven't stretched in uh, almost a week. And I'm, so let me, let me I, I get my foot up over my head. Oh Just gosh. hang loose for a second. I get a little stretch. Oh, oh, I think, oh, I, think I, I might have tore a hamstring right there. <laughs> I think this is the picture. Okay, I got to go to the hospital. Grampy pants with his foot over his head and his yoga stretch. I think that's the picture I want for Oliver's puzzle. So anyway, uh, really excited uh, for these next few episodes that we got going on here. I think uh, this next episode will be another tax planning episode. And then I think we're going to be talking about something that may involve you with the SECURE Act. This is a new piece of legal stuff that's out here in the financial world that came out in this last few months. We want to do a whole episode just talking about how it might affect 
affect you and your retirement. So stay tuned for these in the next few weeks. In the meantime, we'll get Brad to the hospital, get them all fixed up. I'm not feeling real secure right now. <laughs> oh, it's hamstring. Oh. Have a good rest of your week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.